When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 451, and today we are talking about books being released on February 27th, 2024, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia L. Z. Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Liberty! Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> uh, well, I got my nose pierced this past weekend. I saw that. Very cool. Yeah, it was Owie. And so uh, in for doing a brave thing, I decided we needed treats. Stickers. And so then we went to the bookstore <laughs> and bought books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've never had my nose pierced. I don't know. Maybe I should do it. Yeah, probably every, like, all the cool kids are doing it. Yeah. Well, then I definitely won't do it. You know, I, I was always ahead of my time. Um, I can't remember if I've ever mentioned this on on the show before, but when I was 15, I pierced my eyebrow because I saw uh, the Faith No More video for Easy and Mike mm. Patton had it done. And I was like, that looks cool. And I'm going to do that myself. And uh, yeah, they tried to throw me out of school because they had never seen anyone do that before. In this little main town. So they had no uh, school code for it. So they were like, it goes against uh, something. You need to leave. But I got to stay. So, you know. Uh, and then everybody had, had to take done. it out. Nope. Yeah. Oh, no. And then like everybody had it done, you know, a couple years later. It was like no thing. I was like, yeah. And they probably had it done professionally and correctly. <laughs> and they probably don't still have a scar. Hey oh. But you know. Um yeah, so that's my uh piercing story for the day. Let's see, cat stories. Uh been to the ER with the cats a few times this week. That's been fun, but they're oh okay gosh. now. Um what else? Yeah. It's always something. I have finally I had a long weekend. I didn't have to work on Monday because of the holiday. Mm-hmm. And I made two new to me things. So the way that I rest is my, my rest is very active. And some of that involves cooking, like I need to do something, but also something that does not involve a screen. Mm -hmm. So I made my first Dutch baby. It's such a a strange, strange name. I know I should really look up the history, the background of that name because it feels I'm gonna say it feels really weird to just say I made a Dutch baby like that feels (laughs) awkward do you make a Dutch baby in a Dutch oven no it's not even in a Dutch (laughs) oven it's in a cast iron pan I don't know 
Weird. And so that kind of turned out. And then I made gnocchi for the first time. So listeners on the show might know that I have had lofty goals of making pasta by hand for the past couple of years. And so finally, I had a breakthrough and I made gnocchi for the first time. And it was very messy, uh, (laughs) but surprisingly easy. Huh. Very excited. Potato pillows. Oh, but mine weren't potato. Mine weren't potato gnocchi. Mine were easier. They are a, uh, they use. They're just pasta. Pasta all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ricotta, uh, ricotta cheese and eggs and flour. And I got the recipe out of a new cookbook that I think came out last year, uh, Pasta Social Club. Huh. Now that so. I think about it, I've had pumpkin gnocchi, so maybe Yeah. Maybe I did not I for some reason I was thinking it was always potato, but I don't know. Little pasta pillows. Yeah. Which is also what I called ravioli. <laughs> so I guess Well I ravioli look like little pillows though. They do. Little tiny pillows. Um so let's see, we're gonna talk about books today. Area code four fifty one is general purpose, so I've decided that uh, we should assign it to something, um, you know, uh, your house, maybe just like just your house could be area code 451 or maybe under my porch could be area code 451. One of those things. Wherever you're actually listening to this show right now. Yeah, that's area code that 451. Is... Just inside, though. Area 451 is within you. Yes. So, Yeah. We're going to talk about books now. I'm a little off. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel like I'm being really off. Um, one of my relatives was just taken to the ER right before we started recording. So uh, I'm a little distracted. Please forgive me. Uh, but we're, I'm still excited to talk about books. I'm still excited to do this. So first, I'm going to remind you that 2024 is the 10th year of the Read Harder Challenge. You can join us as we make our way through 24 tasks meant to expand our reading horizons and diversify our TBRs. To get book recommendations for each task, sign up for the Read Harder newsletter. We'll also keep you informed about other cool reading challenges, readathons, and more across the bookish internet. If you become a paid subscriber, you can get even more recommendations plus community features where you can connect with a community of passionate, like-minded readers in a cozy and supportive corner of the internet. Visit bookriot.com slash readharder to sign up. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. And now we're going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international bestselling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tear jerkers. 
Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so I am very excited about my first pick. I mean, I'm excited about all of them, but I loved this one so much. It is The Other Valley by Scott Alexander Howard. It's an amazing speculative debut. And I kind of feel like every word that I say about it is taking a little bit of the magic away from you, like finding out what it is for yourself. Um, So if you don't want it spoiled for you, like skip this part. But if you are like, I need a little more, then then let me tell you a little more. And like, I'm going to tell you a whole bunch, but it's really just like a very basic outline of the book. So it is set in a bordered town snuggled in a valley. And it's like, it's literally bordered. The citizens are walled in. And so where this town is, to one side of this town is the exact same town 20 years ago with all the same people that were there like 20 years ago. And on the other side of this town is the exact same town 20 years in the future. And on that side of that town is the town 20 years in the future and like, you know, so on and so forth. Like it's amazing. What an amazing idea. So the main character of this book is, Odile, who is a 16-year-old who lives with her mother. Her father died when she was very young. She's very quiet. Uh, She doesn't really have any friends. She gets bullied a lot. There is a boy in her class named Edmi, who is one of the only people who is nice to her. And in this sort of, it's I'd call it like a mild dystopian, you know, universe. Um, The 16-year-olds, which she is, Uh, are required to pick a vocation like this is it you're 16 you're going to decide what you will apprentice for usually it's part of like your family's business like your family they're the butcher or they have a farm or they're the tailor and you're gonna go into their business um odile's mother has always pushed her to have a seat on the conceal the conceal is like their government uh her mother applied for a seat on the console when she was young and she didn't make it, but she does work in the building. Like the people who don't make it to the console seat, 
um, work in like records or some something to do with the building. Uh, and so she really wants Odile to re- to apply. Um, it's a respected position, and the family of the members of the of the council are also held in high respect. Um, and Odile is not super excited about this, but she doesn't know what else to do. Um, and so one of the things that the council does is approve or deny visitors to their town. And these are visitors with a specific purpose. In this universe, if you lose a loved one in the future, you can apply to the council to cross the border to go back and see your loved one still alive. Not like see them to visit with them in person, interact with them in any way. You can't do that. But there are like viewing places where you can watch them um, and and a police escort uh, to keep anything from actually happening. So like you can't get out of your viewing place and go and talk to this person in the past. Um, but it's, you know, you're messing with like time and, you know, the universe. And so very few people actually get permission to do this. And so a consul member has to be tough and fair. Um, and so Odile is applying for this. And one day she is hiding in the woods, like from everything, basically. And she accidentally sees two visitors being escorted through the wall to her town. And not only does she see them coming through the woods, because the kids don't usually go as far like as the wall, so there's not usually anyone around. She actually sees who they are. They're Edmi's parents. That means that in their world, Edmi has died. This is the boy that is nice to her. And Odile doesn't... Uh, I, think I, was saying, I think I was saying Odile. Now I'm saying Odile. Yeah, I said it wrong. Odile doesn't know what to do with this information. Edmi and a few other kids have started inviting her to hang around. They go to the beach. They have a fort in the woods. She has dinner with them. And the more time she spends with Edmi, the more she thinks she is falling for him. And she knows that to tell him what she saw will destroy her future, like in all her chances to work for the conceal. But she also wonders if by telling him, it will keep whatever has happened to him from happening. It is a beautiful and sad book. It reminds me of Ishiguro. It reminds me of Atwood. It reminds me of a lot of books like that, that just give me that melancholy weighted blanket on my brain, like just hush and listen to this story. It's so inventive and it also gives you a lot to think about. I And I'll be honest, I worried when I read the description and started reading it, I worried that I wouldn't be able to follow the concepts, but it's actually really almost like sparse in its explanations, but not in a bad way, but in a gorgeous writing kind of way. Like these are the few beautiful words that I'm going to use to explain. This is all you need to know about like why this happens if at all. Um, And it's just, it's amazing. The content warnings for this book do include alcohol abuse, bullying, child abuse, and death illness and loss of a loved one, grief, trauma, and suicide. It is The Other Valley by Scott Alexander Howard. I am 
Well, one, I'm adding that to my TBR. It wasn't even on my radar, <laughs> so I'm very excited. It's so good. And I feel similarly about my first pick today, which is I'm just absolutely shaking with excitement to tell everyone about it. But I also kind of want to hold back because I don't want to spoil things necessarily. So take that as you will. My first pick today is The Butcher of the Forest by Premi Muhammad. Full disclosure, it's probably been over three months since I've picked up a book that I absolutely did not want to stop reading even for a moment. And The Butcher of the Forest has reset the clock for me. It is a tour novella and at 160 pages, I'm sure that many listeners could easily get through it on a weekend. In my opinion, The Butcher of the Forest is the exact proper way to write about fairies, which is to say the fae are terrifying and demented and never to be trusted. You might laugh. And of course, as a child, I thought fairies were cute. You know, Tinkerbell, Tooth Fairy. Although a fairy that sneaks into your house at night and purchases your bones is maybe not actually cute, but I digress. I'll rant somewhere else about the Tooth Fairy. Anyway, as an adult, I have become increasingly more horrified by the Fae. Playing Dungeons and Dragons is only partially to blame. What I'm saying is The Butcher of the Forest is a dark fantasy, borderline horror about the Fae, and it is absolutely delicious. I freaking loved this book. It starts before sunrise at the home of Varys Thorne, a woman around 40 years old. Armored guards show up at Varys' door and command that she get in the carriage. She's still in her nightclothes and doesn't know the meaning of this, but she knows it's bad because these guards belong to the tyrant. The tyrant is, just as you would imagine, a terrible ruler who goes around quote-unquote conquering, and if a village doesn't submit, he just murders everyone, which has included Varys' parents. The only family she has left are her elderly aunt and grandfather. Varys assumes these guards are taking her to the tyrant, and she goes willingly in order to protect her family. She has no idea what the tyrant wants with her, though the entire carriage ride, she's just racking her brain, going through all these reasons he could possibly want her. Like, marriage? No, she's too old for him. Birthing children for him? She's aged out of that as well. Probably not to employ her at the castle, or even arrest her for treason, which Varys just generally tries really hard to keep her head down. A bit of information you should know about the landscape. There are the Southwoods, which have been tamed. They're used for hunting and harvesting and planting fruiting trees and berry bushes. There are clearly marked trails, and the Southwoods have been used for generations. The Northwoods, however, are a different story. Everyone in the village knows not to go into the North Woods. Heck, everyone even in several nearby villages know not to go into the North Woods. Because anyone who goes into the North Woods is captured by the beings who live there. 
I'm referring to them as the Fae, but I don't remember if the author actually uses that term because there are also allusions in this book that the beings within the North Forest are possibly even worse. So, back to Varys, who's been dragged in front of the tyrant. The tyrant sent for Varys because she is the only person who has been able to go into the North Woods, rescue a child, and come back out. Just after midnight, the tyrant's children snuck out of their room and into the North Woods. The tyrant has ordered Varys to rescue his children or else he will raise her entire village to the ground. The North Woods only gives you a day to get in and out if you are so lucky. I'm going to stop there because I really just need everyone to read this book. I'm practically begging. I want to talk to every single person about this book. I'm mildly obsessed. Content warnings for violence, gore, harm to children, harm to animals, allusions to sexual assault. It's The Butcher of the Forest by Premi Muhammad. Okay. I have to read that one. I was going to read it for the show, but you were like, please, can I have it? So I said, okay. But um, Primo Muhammad has another book that I love so much. Another novella. What is it called? Oh, I'm trying to remember it and it's not working. Um, I'll think of it. Uh, And what can we offer you tonight? That's it. That's that's my favorite Mm. Muhammad book, um, which I think was... Won one of the big awards, or maybe was nominated. Uh, anyway, my next pick for today is Kindling by Tracy Chi. This is a wonderful queer YA fantasy about elite magical teenage warriors known as Kindlings. In this world, there was a great war fought using Kindlings, and it caused great devastation. They were employed to fight this war. Uh, As I mentioned, they're teenagers. This is all they know how to do. But, you know, after the war was over, people were like, oh, that was bad. And we probably shouldn't use kindlings to fight wars anymore. So the kindlings were outlawed. They could no longer use their magic. Their weapons were outlawed. And now they are adrift with no purpose and nowhere to turn. If they can't do the thing that they were made to do, what is the point of their existence? But also the thing that they were made to do is fight and use magic. And it's kind of horrified them what they did. Um, So you have this group of seven kindlings. Uh, This was actually, I forgot to say this. This is inspired by the Seven Samurai and its remake, The Magnificent Seven. So you have a group of seven kindlings and they come upon a village in need of defending and they decide this is what we do. We're not supposed to, but we're going to battle once more to protect the villagers from the coming danger. But they are also fighting their own battles and will have to face the past if they want to win the fight because as much as they want peace, war is all they have ever known. So Tracy T is an auto buy for me. Um, And this one didn't disappoint. It's an amazing gut punch about purpose, about trauma, PTSD, war, and found family and love and loss. 
You may need some tissues at the end. Just going to say that. Uh, Content warnings for this book include violence, injury, war, death of children and adults, trauma, and grief. It is Kindling by Tracy Chi. For my next pick, I have The American Daughters by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. This is mostly historical fiction about the years of slavery just before the U.S. Civil War. I say mostly because there are bits and pieces in this book that are beyond the central story, which seem to revolve around this core idea that Black women have always saved everyone and will even do so in the future. And that specifically, there may be an actual through line of a secret sisterhood that does just that. But mostly, this is the story of Audie. Audie and her mother, Sunit, were bought at a slave auction by a man named Dumarsh. He didn't have them work at his slave labor camp, pardon me, plantation, and instead had them serve him at his townhouse in New Orleans. I appreciate that the author actually repeatedly uses the phrase slave labor camp called a plantation, and I'm going to start using that. Very early in the story, Dumarsh begins to sexually assault Sunit. Sunit does everything she can to protect Adi from both this and the other myriad horrors of being enslaved. Sometimes Dumarsh leased mother and daughter out to work for his neighbors, and always Sunit had thoughts of freedom on her mind. Not all of the Black people and people of color in New Orleans were enslaved. Some were free and some were well-off business owners themselves. Audie was in awe of them and loved to walk around the parts of the city where she was allowed. It had always been just her and her mother, and her mother was her whole world. The story follows Audie and Sunit, their attempted escape, and eventually just Audie. Dumarsh treats Adi in the same disgusting manners he treated Sunit, and then at one point he brings in a tutor and starts demanding that Adi learns to read and write. He starts buying her nice dresses and asks her to refer to him as father. Things are real, real dark. One day, Adi is on a walk in town while Dumarsh is away at his slave labor camp, and she stops to rest. She meets an absolutely enchanting free black woman who owns a tavern and invites Audie to come in for a refreshment. Audie does so without question, even though she knows that if Dumarsh found out, the punishment would be swift and hard. Making this woman's acquaintance has opened many new tempting doors for Audie. I'm leaving so much out of this description because I don't want to spoil anything. Slavery is always hard to read about, and this book is no different, but there are also bits of joy and hope in Adi's story as well. This book is outside of what I usually read, and I'm glad I read it. Content warnings, obviously, for racism, violence, sexual assault, uh, death of a parent, and more violence. It's The American Daughters by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. I love him. He's so great. His books are so good. 
Okay, so those are some books that we have read and enjoyed, and now we're going to talk about a few more of today's releases that we are excited about. Uh, my first one is called Gay Girl Prayers by Emily Austin. Emily Austin is the author of Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead and Interesting Facts About Space, which just came out a little while ago. Both excellent. Love them so much. Um, and I don't read much poetry. Every year I go, I need to read more poetry. Um, but if anyone can get me to sit down and read a whole book of poetry, it's Emily Austin. I also don't usually read you the description of a book from like the publisher's site, but I haven't read this and I don't even know what to say about it. So I'm just going to read you this description because it's amazing. It's a collection of poetry reclaiming Catholic prayers and biblical passages to empower girls, women, and members of the LGBTQIA community. The extreme level of sass in Emily Austin's gay girl prayers does not mean that this collection is irreverent. On the contrary, in rewriting Bible verses to affirm and uplift queer, feminist, and trans realities, Austin invites readers into a giddy celebration of difference and a tender appreciation for the lives and perspectives of strange, quote-unquote, strange women. Packed with zingy one-liners, sexual innuendo, self-respect, you-hauling, and painfully earnest declarations of love, this is gayness at its best, harnessed to be a higher purpose and ready to fight the powers that be. So it's already sold out everywhere. It was supposed to come out on March 1st, but then it got moved to March 15th, but it's like a very small press and it's like sold out everywhere. Uh, but there are more coming and it's going to be awesome. It's Gay Girl Prayers by Emily Austin. I'll just add that to my <laughs> list. Oh my gosh. So I also am going to talk about a book of poetry. This is Murmur by Cameron Barnett. This is a book of poetry and it's out today that I just didn't have the opportunity to read in time for this show. I thought I could read it in time for recording, but as soon as I started it a few days ago, I realized that these aren't the kind of poems that can be devoured. After reading one, I had to stop, reflect, read it again, and then take a few minutes more to really process the poem. These are not poems for people who are in a hurry. These are poems for people who like to savor poetry and chew on it slowly. When Barnett was a child, a pediatrician thought they heard a heart murmur. Barnett's father was a doctor and was super suspicious of this, so they got another opinion and no, there was no heart murmur. But that first doctor had planted the idea, and so it was something that just kind of hung over Barnett as a child. His mother feared that one day he would just collapse. He uses this idea of something that is unsaid but can haunt a person throughout their life or even across generations and time and space throughout this collection of poems. As expected, he also explores the many definitions of murmur and strengthens the ties between the pieces. He follows and strengthens the threads of experience of not only as a Black person, but a Black man specifically throughout time, linking things like the Tulsa Race Massacre in the 1920s to more contemporary murders by Black men of place. Like I said, these aren't poems to rush through. This book is out today, and it's titled Murmur by Cameron Barnett. Okay. 
Before I tell you about my second pick, we're going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high-stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players, but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. All right. My other pick for today is Fathom Folk, the first book in the Drowned World series by Eliza Chan. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on this. It is an East Asian-inspired fantasy with dragons. Dragons are very in right now. It is set in the partially flooded city of Tiankawi. Humans used to live in the city, while the Fathom folk live in the polluted waters. The sirens, the mermaids, the other non-human beings. Mira is a half-siren who guards the gates of this city. The city is supposed to be a safe haven from the war in their country, but when an act of sabotage happens, violence erupts and the humans blame the Fathom Folk. So now Mira and Nami, a water dragon and Fathom Folk princess, will have to figure out a way to save the city and themselves. I don't know if I put like the right, did I put the right emphasis there? Did you understand that Nami is the water dragon slash Fathom Folk princess? I hope so. That's what I meant. There's only two of them. So they have to figure out how to save the city. It sounds very Rachel Hartman. I really love Rachel Hartman's books, the Serafina series, and also Tess of the Road. If you haven't read those, oh, so good. And I look forward to picking this one up. It's Fathom Folk, the first book in the Drowned World series by Eliza Chan. 
I love that you said dragons are in right now because it is also year of the dragon for folks who celebrate Lunar New Year. Um, yes. So yes, dragons are in right now. <laughs> I was born in year of the dragon. Ooh, I was born in year of the sheep goat. It's like the same word, but huh. anyway, I digress. My final pick is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. Yes, this book was originally published in 2018, but today is the release of a deluxe paperback edition with beautiful sprayed and stenciled edges. This is the first book of the Legend of Orisha trilogy. The third book is actually out this year in late June and has been a long time coming. Children of Blood and Bone spent over 150 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I read this book back in 2018, a few months after it came out. I, in re- doing my research for what I was going to talk about today, I was looking back at the books I read that year and I saw that reading this book along with a handful of others that year really marked a significant shift in my own reading. Prior to this book, I was reading a lot of Neil Gaiman, a lot of George R.R. Martin, a lot of Philip Pullman. Do you see the pattern here? And Children of Blood and Bone took me by the shoulders and yelled in my face that there are so many stories out there that are beyond what I have even imagined reading. This book helped me widen my scope and add more authors and stories into the mix. If you haven't yet read it yet, it's based on Yoruba deities. Some descriptions say West African mythology, but I think we really need to interrogate what gets called mythology and what gets called religion. Anyway, in this world Adeyemi has built, magic has disappeared. Those who used magic used to have a place of status, but now they are tormented by the merciless king. Our heroine, Zeli Edebola, belongs to a class of magic practitioners, and this epic fantasy is her fight to restore magic back to the land of the Orisha. I'm going to have to give this one another read so I could finish out the trilogy this year. It's Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, and it's out in a gorgeous paperback today. Yeah, they're doing it to match the hardcover of the third book, which is coming at the end of June, like you mentioned. That also has like sprayed edges and oh, and it also has like like a metallic stuff on the cover, like yeah, like shiny metallic. Like it's really really pretty, and I think she just signed like some massive deal for film for this. Oh, I think she had. I think she signed that. Unless they change the rights, changed hands. Uh, she signed that when she also sold the book. Um, but they no, did there just was announce recently that yeah. it is still going forward. Like they, no one had heard anything about it in a long time. And they've attached the director of The Woman King to it. Yes. Um, so it is supposed to keep going. So, yeah, it'll be cool. Um, I, I must admit, I didn't actually get to the second one yet. I have it. Story of my life. Um, but I have not read it. So those are books that we have read, books that we are excited about. And now I'm going to tell you about a few paperback releases out today. Because why not add more books to your list? Don't forget, you have an extra day in this month. 
First, an autobiography of skin by Lakeisha Carr, a debut novel about three interconnected generations of Black women. The Unfortunates by J.K. Chukwu, a college satire about a struggling queer half-Nigerian college sophomore who notices that some of the other Black students on campus have gone missing. Once Upon a Tome, The Misadventures of a Rare Bookseller by Oliver Darkshire. This is a book about books. We all love books about books. It's a memoir about how Darkshire worked in one of the oldest bookstores in the world, Sutherhands, established in London in 1761. The Headmaster's List by Melissa Dela Cruz. This is Dark Academia YA about four teens who leave a party together and how one of them doesn't make it home. Forager, Field Notes for Surviving a Family Cult, a memoir by Michelle Dowd. This is Dowd's account of being raised by a doomsday prepper cult. Uh, the cult was run according to translation, literal translations of the Bible. Uh, it was complete patriarchy. Uh, and this is how nature uh, helped her get through this and how she escaped. Revelator by Daryl Gregory which is an amazing horror novel, which I feel like I read years and years and years ago. I do believe that there has been a long time since the hardcover came out. Um, but it's a horror novel set in Tennessee in the early 20th century about a cave in the woods behind one family's home that holds Ghost Daddy, which is kind of like Blob Ghost Patricia, but not the same. This is Ghost Daddy, a creature the family must protect from outsiders who keeps them safe. Wayward by Amelia Hart. This was a big hit last year. It was winner of not one, but two Goodreads Choice Awards, Best Debut Novel and Best Historical Fiction. It's a book about women and witchcraft set in three different time periods. Hungry Ghosts by Kevin Jared Hossein, a story of family, hardship, and loss under British colonial rule in 1940s Trinidad. Take What You Need by Idra Novi, about a young woman who escaped a life of hardship and poverty when she was young. In the South, she is now estranged from her family, and now she is successful and an adult, and she returns home to see her stepmother's house. Her stepmother has passed away, and she discovers that her stepmother was making all this art, and there's also a young man living in her house now. Cold People by Tom Rob Smith. This is a sci-fi thriller about a powerful force that has claimed Earth as their own, and it gives humankind 30 days to all move to Antarctica. That's where you have to go now. That's what we get. And last but not least, finally seen by Kelly Yang. Yang is the author of Front Desk, that series, which is so great. This is about a young girl who arrives in America to join her family after living without them in China for five years. There is a sequel coming out today called Finally Heard. So those are some paperbacks. Someday I'm going to learn how to play bass and I'm going to write a song called Ghost Daddy. Ghost Daddy. Blob Ghost. Yeah. So what are you going to read next? Let's see. I am right now reading Infinity Alchemist by Case and Calendar. And then I'm going to start Archangels of Funk by Andrea Hairston. And that one is out on May 7th. What are you going to read next? See, Archangels of Funk sounds like a song you play on the bass guitar. That too. Yeah. I just got my hands on a copy of Roland Rogers Isn't Dead Yet by Samantha Allen, who wrote Patricia Wants to Cuddle, which was fantastic. 
This one is out in September. It is about a ghostwriter who is hired to write the life story of a literal ghost. Apparently, this man, Roland, went missing. He is very famous. He went missing, and they haven't found him yet. He There was some kind of... I think it was something happening in nature. They haven't found him, so he has time to like tell the ghostwriter his story before they locate him and his spirit goes wherever it goes. So, sounds awesome. Uh, so, that is it for us today. You can visit bookriot.com slash readharder to sign up. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com and talk about bass guitars or ghosts or whatever it is you would like to talk about. Patricia, where can people find you online? I am mostly on Instagram, sometimes blue sky at the info file. All right. And I haven't been online much lately, but when I am, I sound like that, that commercial but when i do um i <laughs> hang out on instagram at franzen comes alive and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and for more recs or general bookishness check out bookriot.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. Enjoy your extra day to read this year. Yes. And in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading.